this last week. Maybe you saw, well, maybe in the last two weeks, Simone, uh, Simone Biles withdrew from the finals competition because of health care concerns or mental health concerns. Naomi Osaka, we saw her. She uh, said her mental health break contributed to her Olympic loss. We've been seeing a lot in the news about mental health and things like that. The World Health Organization, well, the National Institute of Mental Health says that in America, uh, one out of every five Americans has a, a mental illness. The World Health Organization said one out of four have uh, some type of a mental illness. So uh, if, if you're looking around the room today, if for every five, the statistics say that one of us deals with some type of a mental health issue. And, and that is not hard to believe. I mean, if you're listening to this live or on person, uh, or in person uh, or online, the thing is, you chances are, if you're not struggling with a mental illness, you know somebody who deals with mental health issues. And many of us struggle with mental health issues. Um, not always in a healthy way. Some of us are diagnosed. Some of us are not diagnosed. Some of us are medicated by a doctor. Some, some people self-medicate. Um, but this is the thing I know that Christians are not immune. We're not immune from cancer. We're not immune from heart disease. We're not immune from uh, dementia. We're not, we're not immune from asthma. Why in the world do we think we would be immune from, from mental health issues? Uh, we're, we're not. We are susceptible to them. And, and mental, health, uh, mental health can be a highly stigmatized uh, topic, even in the church. If you've ever struggled with suicidal ideations or extreme despair that come with clinical depression, um, if, if you've never done that, then this might be very uh, a, a little bit arduous for you to understand. But, but Christian brothers and sisters know that sometimes anxiety gets us, and sometimes uh, we have depressed feelings. And those happen. Those are episodic lots of times. But some people deal with those a whole lot deeper and a whole lot longer uh, with, with mental illness. And it's... It's an illness, like cancer is an illness, or asthma is an illness, or things like that. Spurgeon, one of my heroes, one of the greatest pulpiteers I believe that ever walked. He was the greatest pulpiteer in the 19th century. To me, this is what he wrote. And by the way, Spurgeon, you may not have known this. You've heard me throw his name around. He dealt with major depression. In fact, he had a place over in, in, uh, in Nice, France, that he would go and, and uh, recuperate. But this is what he said about mental illness. And basically what he's going to say is, if your body gets hurt, it's only for you know, a little while. But those, those wounds in our mind last for a long time. Those wounds in our mind can bleed for a very long time. The mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. If you've never felt like getting out of bed, you understand exactly what bottomless pits are. If you just wanted to sit in a room with the lights turned off and just wish the world would melt away, that's the bottomless pit. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul, well, the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. He got it. He got it because he had it. Mental illness and mental health issues amongst Christians is not a new phenomenon. Spurgeon got to it. He struggled with it, had crippling bouts of that. He would preach God's people sometimes walk in darkness and see no light. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes God's people walk in darkness and they see no light. We're not talking about the lost people or the secular world. We're talking about God's people. We can walk in darkness and see no light. There are times when the best and the brightest of the saints have no joy. Some people expected that there was going to be some type of a quick fix. You, you become a Christian, all your depression goes away. You give your life to Jesus, no more anxiety. You give your life to Jesus, all of those mental health issues just kind of dissolve like butter on a hot pan. But you and I know different, don't we? 
That didn't happen. That did not happen a little bit. In other words, church, I want you to understand something. You can love Jesus and still battle crippling diseases. You can love Jesus and still battle life-affecting illnesses, including mental illness. Including issues with your mind. When we become a Christian, maybe we thought all those mental issues or cognitive issues would be squashed. But the truth is, things are probably better for you once you give your life to Jesus. Once you've asked me to come and live in your heart, but the thing is, you still struggle with depression. You still struggle with anxiety, or you still struggle with addiction, or you still struggle with, with these mental health issues. Uh, your, your, heart, your heart can be heavy, and your, can heart, your heart can be, can be hurt, but that doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. You may be struggling with these things, but that doesn't mean you've lost your salvation somewhere along the way. What happens if you're a Christian and you're struggling with these things, your heart can be heavy and your heart can hurt. But that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't in your life. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't by your side. Back in, back in seminary, I always hear this, this, this preach that we get the head knowledge of Jesus. We know that he's the son of God and he died on the cross. But it has to take that 13-inch trip, trip from our, our mind to our heart to really take hold. But this is what I've found out, Gary. Lots of times, my heart still trusts in Jesus. My heart believes in Jesus. My heart still trusts in Jesus and hopes he's my redeemer and my king. But sometimes, Doc... My mind will tell me things that my heart, those are true. And my mind says, are you sure? Are you sure God loves you? Are you sure he's looking over you? Are you sure you can trust his promises? Are you sure you can praise him when things in your life aren't going right? So what happens is my heart believes, man, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. But sometimes my head, see, so it's sort of exact, they flip, the, they flip the script on me. Because at the beginning, my head knew, my head, my head knew how shot I was. It just had to get to my heart. Now my heart knows, and sometimes my head messes up. You understand that? My heart knows the truth, but sometimes my head will get in the way. There are people all over Scripture that dealt with 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 mental anguish. Uh, you look at the dude uh, Elisha. Remember we talked about Elisha. Elijah was his boss, if you will, the person who taught him. Elijah had just called fire down from heaven. You remember that story? First Kings chapter 19, calls fire down from heaven, kills a bunch of pagan priests. Dude, the dude just hit a, a Grand Slam home run, Game 7 of the World Series. This dude should have had his own candy bar named after him, okay, at this point. But instead, what happens is he runs into the desert, and this is what he says, God, I wish I could die. I'm going to tell you, this is how I know the Bible is true. If a man wrote that, they would have edited that out, Robin. But not our God. Our God wants us to know that you can still love him and still go through bouts of depression. You can love him and still feel like, my gosh, I just wish the world would go away. Elisha wasn't the only one. You look all throughout the book of Psalms. Man, David is all the time. He's complaining. He's always down the dauber. Most of the Psalms, by the way, are not, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Most of the Psalms sound like, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the, those are the laments. That's the, that's the biggest part of the Psalms. And you look at the Apostle Paul. Paul asked God several times to heal him, and the healing didn't come. But it didn't mean that God wasn't good. It didn't mean that God wasn't sovereign. It didn't mean that God wasn't working. It just meant that sometimes God keeps that in our life, so we stay a certain way. Well, what, what, what does that preach? There have been so much debate on what I'm about to read. Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh. Uh, I found this cartoon to be kind of humorous. Uh, Paul's in prison writing this letter and God sends him a messenger to torment him. So happens it's Spongebob. Uh, there is there's so much debate on what, what Paul's 
thorn in the flesh was, but due to first century HIPAA laws, we do not know what the thorn in the flesh actually was. But we're going to look at the Scripture. I will say this, because these experiences I had were so tremendous, God was afraid that I might be puffed up by them. So I was given a physical condition, an illness, which has been a thorn in my flesh. Church, say thorn in my flesh. Some of us have thorns in our minds. Some of us have thorns in the flesh, but some of them have them in our minds. A messenger from Satan to hurt and bother me and to, to prick my pride or to keep my pride in check. Three different times I begged God to make me well. Make me well, make me well, make me well. Now, uh, uh, and each time he said, nope, but I'm with you. This is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Now, I'm glad to boast about how weak I am, Paul says. I'm glad to be a living demonstration of Christ's power, Paul says, instead of showing my own power and my own abilities. Verse 10, since I know it is all for Christ's good, I'm quite happy about that thorn now, or that disease now, that illness now, and, uh, and about the insults and the hardship that it causes me in my life. Why? Then I am strong. I'm sorry, uh, and about the insults and hardships of Christ Jesus, for I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend upon Him. Church, I bet you don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh is, but I guarantee you, you know what your thorn in the flesh is. I guarantee you, you know what you're battling. I guarantee you, there's no, there's no doubt on, on what you're going through. Paul's ever-present illness was a constant reminder that, Paul, you are not perfect. You're not superhuman. You don't have it all figured out. You need help. Church, the thorn in Paul's flesh reminded him not to boast in himself, but to boast in Christ. Paul reminds us to remember that God's power is made perfect not when we are at our best, but when we are at our weakest. When we're at our most vulnerable. That's where the strength of God can, can manifest. Paul was a person just like us. Man, he had a complete past and a criminal record. He is like us, and he too had an illness and hard times that Jesus didn't take away. While we're on this road, let's go ahead and look around. Well, there's Elijah. We're in pretty good company. There's Paul. We're in pretty good company. Well, there's, there's, there's old King David. We're in pretty good company. If you've ever had a time in your life where you felt like Elijah, Paul, or David, you're in good company on this road. You're not by yourself. You're not all alone. Today, we're going to openly deal with struggles that are unique to mental health and disorders of the mind. I've got Christian friends of mine who battle with major depression. They battle with PTSD. They deal with anxiety. They deal with uh, abnormal psychology disorders. Uh, I want you to understand that, that mental illness is not detrimental to your salvation. You can have mental illness and still be saved. You can have mental illness. It's not evidence that you're lost. You can have problems mentally. It's not a sign that your faith has stopped advancing. You can deal with mental health issues. It doesn't mean that you're not growing as a Christian. So let's just kind of take that out of the equation altogether. Can a, uh, let me prove this to you, because some of you say, no, no, about that. Can a cancer patient's faith be growing in God? Can a heart disease patient be growing in their faith in God? Can somebody struggling with mental health issues be growing in their faith in God? Absolutely. If it's gravy for the goose, it's gravy for the gander. I'm going to look at four hacks today for better dealing with mental health issues. Number one, I want you to understand that this, God's promises are always God's promises. And by the way, this is not one of those things, here's your mantra, pray, read the scripture, and, and trust in God. I'm not going to do with that. I'm going to give you four practical hacks that can help you. Whether you have mental health issues or whether you don't have mental health issues, God's promises are always God's promises. The Bible isn't afraid to talk about mental health issues or emotional anguish or depression. I'm going to look at Job. That dude lost everything he had. Devil dealt, uh, uh, the, the, the devil dealt with, uh, dealt with Job's life, and God gave him back more, and Job was lifted up. You look throughout the pages of Scripture, uh, you've got people all over in, in, in Psalms, the largest categories of lament. 
These songs are people crying out to God in despair. I want you to listen to these. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Psalm 25, 16. The, de uh, the Bible is not afraid to deal with that depression when it says, Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. This is a psalmist talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And then he tells himself, dude, wake up. Hope in God. For those of you who talk to yourself, I want you to understand that you are also in good company. <laughs> David has given himself a pep talk. He's doing a cognitive exercise where he's walking himself through this. Psalm 88.3 For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near the shield or the grave. Church, the Bible is, 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 is rich with things dealing with, our, with mental health. I want you to look at, oh, this is beautiful. Remember Psalm 23, verse 1, that beautiful verse you learn in Sunday school? You hear it at every funeral. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want you to understand something. Most of the Psalms are not that. Most of the Psalms are like Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 13, 1, where David says, How long will you forget me, Lord, forever? You don't return a text. You don't return a call. How long will you look the other way when I'm in need? See, you memorized Psalm 23 in Sunday school. You live Psalm 13 at the ICU. You learned Psalm 23 at church. You lived Psalm 13 in a courtroom. You learned Psalm 23 in a sermon, but that Psalm 13 you picked up in a cemetery. The trick is remembering this. Even when you're in the cemetery, the ICU, or the courtroom, you are still the child of the Good Shepherd. To remember when you're in the Psalm 13 moment that your God is the God of Psalm 23 too. And that's the key. And the reason we can do that is because God's promises are God's promises. Whether you're having a bad day or not, whether you're cycling or not, whether you're manic or you're the low part of your cycle, God's still God. He is still your sovereign. And if you feel abandoned by God and find yourself questioning His provision, and turn to his promises in the Bible. God's word has made a difference in my life, provided hope for me in times of my darkness. Help me know how to pray. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 1.25. The word of the Lord will endure for how long? Things that Donald Trump said will not be around forever. Things that Joe Biden said will not be around forever. But the word of God, man, every word of that thing here was, it will last forever. We can trust that. His promises are still promises regardless whether we're well. God's promises are God's promises. Whether we're cycling, God's promises are God's promises. Whether we're in the ICU or we're walking on the most beautiful mountain in the world, God's promises are still promises. Or, uh, God's promises are still God's promises whether you're in a good place or in a bad place. So, Rely on those promises. Hold on to God's promises because they are there to give us hope. I love this verse. It's in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and He saves the crushed in spirit. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. Church, you may not be brokenhearted today, but I promise you you're broken in some way. I promise you you're broken in some way. But here's the thing. Christ makes us whole again. He lights up the darkest corners of our mind or the darkest corners of our heart. He pulls us out of the pit like He did Job and like He did David. You might be saying, okay, preach, I've memorized John 3.16. Let's go on. How do I get out of my bed when I say John 3.16 and I still just want to stay in that dark room? Well, let's go to the second one. Learn to pray even in the pain. 
You learn to pray even in the pain. Preach, I prayed like Paul to have my illness removed and it's still there. Should I keep praying to God to take it away? Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm infirmed with, with a mental health issue or a, a physical issue and I've been praying for years for God to heal me. Mike, do I, do I pray for healing? Years ago, I would have said, absolutely, you keep praying for healing. I believe God heals. Before I say anything uh, else on this, I believe that God heals. At one time, I would have said yes, but I don't, I'm, I'm just, for me personally, I don't pray that way for everything anymore, even sicknesses. For me personally, I'm going to tell you what. Um, I do believe God heals, and I do believe God restores, and I believe that God is the great physician. Ain't no doubt about it. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. All healing comes from Him, no doubt about it. Even if, it, even if He uses a doctor or medicine or surgery, all healing comes from God. I've witnessed miracles. I've seen things that I can't explain. I've experienced things I can't describe. I believe that God operates in the supernatural. Now, if you want me to heal, if you want me to pray for your healing, I'll do it with you. I'll believe it with you and I'll claim it with you and I will, I will, I'll embrace it with you. If you pray for healing, I'm right there with you and I've got your back. I'll believe in it for you and trust for it and claim it with you. But I'll also do this. If you just want to pray that God would be glorified through your illness, I'll also do that. If you pray that God would receive glory because of, of what you're going through, I will pray and believe and claim it right along with you. Because you see, apparently there's some things in our life that we can pray for healing for. And the only reason I'm saying this is because that's exactly what happened to Paul. Paul said, God, take away my thorn in the flesh. Did God take away the thorn in the flesh? Did God take away the thorn in the flesh? So you know what he did? He stopped praying for healing and he said, God, be glorified in my weakness. Could have God healed him any time he wanted? Absolutely. But what Paul was saying is, God, if you're not going to heal me, then let what I have be used for your glory. If you want me to pray for your healing, I will. But if you want me to pray for God to be glorified in your illness, I will also do that. And on the days that Christ doesn't feel like enough, hold tight and know that He alone will get you through this. Church, knowing Jesus does not mean that anxiety is cured. Knowing Jesus does not mean depression is cured. Knowing Jesus does mean that you'll always have a comforter. Knowing Him means you'll never go through this mess alone. He is uh, one that has compassion on us through all things. He comforts us on good days and bad days. When things are great, pray. When things stink, pray. Here's the thing, we've been told so often, make sure you pray so when you're in the go into battle, you're, you're ready. Make sure you pray so that when you go into battle, you're ready to fight. Church, you don't pray to get ready for the battle. The battle is fought in prayer. That's the battleground. That's the battlefield. That's where it takes place. Our struggles do not have the last word. Let's go on. Verse, uh, this is number three. Our struggle with mental health can be an opportunity to glorify God. Yep, you heard me. Our mental health issues can be an opportunity for us to give glory to God. This more mental health issues probably more than any other. Um, and I think, has, I think that has to do with the, the cognitive aspect of it. People with mental issues, they think, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do to cause this? What did I do to be um, suffering in this way? But I want you to understand something. If, if you are one of those one out of four or one out of five, chances are likely you didn't do anything to cause this. 
sound sort of like the guy in the Bible who was, was paralyzed. He couldn't, he couldn't move. And he, blamed, he blamed it. On, I'm sorry, he was, he was born blind. And he, he was blaming his parents' sin for that. He says, well, the reason I'm sick is because my parents were sick. No, that's not, the why, that's not why you were sick. That's not why you were blind. If you have a mental health issue, I want you to understand, it's, it isn't punishment for your sins or the sins of your parents. I will say this, sin can exasperate mental health issues. Jeremiah, the prophet, I mean, he didn't, dude didn't mix any words. He said that the mind is what? The mind is what? He didn't say it could go either way. He didn't say, eh. He said, man, your mind is evil. It's messed up. Your mind is evil. It's the way it is. And sin can stir up that depression. Sin can stir up that anxiety. And, sp- and sin can spread the infection to the darkness, which is why it's so important to have people in our lives who when we're down or when we're cycling, they can say, hey man, come back. They can encourage us and they can throw us a lifeline and they can bring us back. They can see that they can see when we're struggling. That's why it's so important to be around with other Christians so they can bring you back when things get tough. Mental health issues can be an opportunity for you to glorify God, especially in the body of Christ, where you can show that love to others. Church, our weakness is the very thing that led us to God in the first place. It was when I realized that there's no way I could work my way to heaven, when I realized there's no way I could do anything to stop myself from going to hell, when I realized it was my sin that was broken and my fault and it was all on me, it was when I realized that there was nothing I could do to save myself. That's when I went to God and guess what? He saved me. It's when I realized I was totally weak. Then I went to the strength. Then I went to the source. Church, in your weakness, it should lead you to God. It's what took you to God in the first place. Let this weakness and let this struggle take you back to God. This great privilege is open to all of us. But only when we empty ourselves of ourselves will we be filled with something else. When we empty ourselves of self, God can fill us with who, we, with who He is. And when we're weak, He can become strong. So often we pray for strength when actually what the, war, what the Lord wants from us is not to be stronger but to be weaker. Be weak so I can just manifest my strength. Paul went on to say this. This is in 2 Corinthians 2.10. That's why I take pleasure in my what? Is this dude nuts? This is why I take pleasure in my weakness. And I take pleasure in my insults. And I take pleasure in my hardships. And I take pleasure in my persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Church, your scars are the trophies of your testimonies. Your scars are the trophies of your testimonies. They tell the story of where God brought you from to where you are now. You may have a diagnosis, church, but I need to also tell you this, you also have a deliverer. You may have an illness, but you also have a daddy who's the best doctor around. You may be broken, but you serve a God who uses broken things. Use this time with your mental health issues. See it as a time to give God glory. Number four, finally. We talked about praying when you don't feel like praying. Well, praise when you don't feel like praising. In one of the most gut-wrenching psalms, David is so full of mental anguish because his mind knows that God is present. His mind knows that God is enough. But his heart ain't feeling it. Psalm 42, 5. Why am I so depressed? Why is this turmoil within me? And remember who David's talking to? David's talking to himself. Put your hope in God. Y'all, David was desperate to hope in God. And it took him time to be able to do it. 
He had to wrestle through some stuff to do it. And he commands his soul to trust in God. He commands his soul to hope in God and to praise God. He says, put your hope in God for I will still what? He's talking to himself. He's saying, David, praise God, even though your heart's breaking, even though everything in your life would point to the opposite. Praise God. Praising God is not the initial reaction on those days when you can't get out of bed. Praising God is not the first thing on your list when the only thing you want to feel like doing is staying in the bottomless pit. Your first thought is not about to praise God for the things He's done. Your inclination is to lay in bed and to grieve, but eventually, you've got to get up. Eventually, you're going to have to get up. And when you get up, you'll praise God for who He is. Well, Mike, I don't feel like it. I know you don't. Neither do I sometimes. But David himself and says, hey dude, you've got to stop this. You've got to praise God even when you don't feel like it. Remember when your kids started, they take them the wobbly steps and you think they've cured cancer. Oh, look at him. Look at him walk. And you raise all that. And the first little ugly picture you bring home from shape, you put them up on, on the refrigerator like the Rembrandts. Oh, look at that. Or when they... They go to the potty for the first time without you. Woo! That's a big deal. Man, we praise for those types of actions. We praise those little ones because of what's going on. I want you to remember that for a second. We praise those little ones. Or we show appreciation for service, just to name a few. But I want you to follow that line of what praise is in Hebrews 13, 15. And remember, we're talking about praising God even when you don't feel like it. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of what? Okay, we know what praise is. What sacrifice? Something that cost us something? Well, what cost us? When we're talking about praise, how does praising God cost me anything? How does lifting his name or glorifying him, exalting him, how does that cost me anything? Let me tell you. You're in a bedroom laying flat on your back with the lights out praying that your heart would stop beating and you choose to praise God. That's a sacrifice of praise. You get the news that you've got six months to live and you choose to praise God. Robin, that's a sacrifice of praise. Your wife tells you she doesn't love you anymore and you choose to praise God. That's a sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice of praise is choosing to praise God even when you don't feel like it. You tell me there's not a sacrifice attached to that. But that's exactly what he's saying. Praise even when it costs you something. I would dare say that many of us went into this room today and how much did you, pray, how much did you pay for your praise? Was it much of a sacrifice? I'm not talking about the offering. It's easy to praise Him up here in this church building. What's hard is when you're trying to praise Him in a dark room. And your soul's even darker. But that's the sacrifice of praise. When you don't feel like praising God in your suffering or in your difficult circumstances, but you do it anyway, that's personal sacrifice.
Praising God when you don't feel like it. Acknowledging God's sovereignty, His goodness, and His trustworthiness, even when you don't feel like it. Through that sacrifice of praise, you're saying, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. It's not about my will, it's about your will. It's not about my goodness, it's about your goodness. Man, that's a sacrifice of praise. When we practice the spiritual discipline of sacrifice of praise, not only is God glorified, but your faith grows stronger and you'll be blessed because of it. Isaiah 61.3 And to help the sorrowing people of Chester, I will give them a crown to replace their ashes. I will give them the oil of gladness to replace their sorrow. I will give them clothes of praise to replace their spirit of sadness by the Lord to show His greatness. Church, when you're having a hard time praising, let me give you three quick helps. Number one, look up. I don't care if you're under a black sky with white stars or a blue sky with beautiful clouds. Your daddy is above everything. There's, none, there's nothing under the sky that your daddy is not over. And number two, look to his word. Sometimes just repeating a promise from Scripture can turn your mind away from the problems and turn them towards prayer. What kind of scriptures, Mike? Well, let me give you a few. You already know them. I can do all things through. Okay. I have plans for you to prosper. Plans to give you a future, a hope. He will use evil for. Though he may slay me, yet I will. I will praise him or trust in him. See, I'm not telling you you have to memorize a, whole, a bunch of things. The truth is you've already got those words in you. Those promises are already tattooed on the skin of your heart. They're already plastered on your soul. Claim them at the appropriate time. Praise is the gift we give to God because He is worthy. And it's a gift God gives us to renew our perspective. We praise Him and He says, Oh, now here you are. Let me show you how good I am. When we magnify God instead of our problems, we see Him as greater. When we magnify God instead of our problems, we see Him as higher. When we magnify God instead of our problems, we see Him as enough. And He responds by opening a door to bring peace and joy into our hearts. Y'all... You might be saying, Preacher, what if I'm not a Christian? Will these things work for me? Probably not. Probably not. And that's why when I titled this message, I said, Four Hacks for Christians. Because you know what? Christians have tools that lost people don't have. Preacher, what's that? Well, his name's Jesus. Filled you with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. What if, what about this, what about that? And here's the thing, church, what-isms, you can do what-isms with everything, but that doesn't change the validity or the strength of the truth that God is still God. Well, what about, what about this person or what about that situation? Dude, you can what-if a debate until you're blue in the face and nothing will get done. Or you can just say, you know what, that's the truth, I'm going to follow it. And you follow it. What I told you today, y'all, is truth. What I told you today was truth. God's promises, well, they're God's promises. Praying in the pain, well, that's a biblical thing. Seeing your mental health issues as a way to give opportunity to praise God, well, that's all about showing God's strength in our weakness. That's biblical. And then praising Him when you don't feel like praising. A lost person don't understand that, but you do. And you get it. There's no what-ifs about it. But those are the four hacks. I'm not telling you just to read the Bible, pray more, and have faith. Yeah, that's not going to cure your depression. There's no quick spiritual fix. This is something we do our whole life. It's something we'll do to the day that the Lord calls us home. 
And when we're in the darkest, the promises of Scripture are their strongest. When we're at our bottom, it's that faith that keeps us tethered and anchored to Jesus. And when we're flailing about, when we don't know if we can go on, when we feel lost and we feel like the darkness has consumed us, we cling to God's promises even though we hardly have the strength to believe in them. We just cling on to them. And those promises are true. I'm going to close with this. Those promises are true, church, whether you believe them or not. You know, God's word's true. It doesn't matter what I say about it. They're just true. You're not alone as you struggle with mental health issues. You're not less if you struggle with mental health issues. You're not unloved. If today you're struggling with mental health issues, I want you to know that God loves you, but so do I. I love you. And you're more than enough. You make this world a better place. You make my world a better place. You make this church a better place. You make this town a better place. You make your family a better place. Well, they don't ever tell me. I'm telling you. You make your family a better place. Kids, your mom's an angel. Stop treating her so bad. Church, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, then I want you to understand that those four things I gave you are going to be really hard to use. So let me give you an opportunity. And then we'll close out the rest of the services. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. Then after that, I want to pray for your mental strength and I want to pray for your mental healing or, or maybe just to be glorified in, in what you're going through. But I, I, I want to present to you the plan of salvation. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and Ms. Schaefer, whenever you want to, whenever you're ready, just begin to play quietly, very reverently. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, if you've never given your heart to Jesus or maybe you've given your heart to Jesus, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to either place your faith in Him or to reaffirm your faith in Him. And today, are you, ready to com are you ready to confess that you're a sinner? Are you ready to ask for forgiveness of your sin? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Died on the cross in your place. Today, are you ready to give Him your heart and give Him your life? And become one of His disciples, one of His children? If so, I encourage you to pray with me. You can either pray it out loud or pray silently. I believe that if you genuinely mean it, God genuinely hears it. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I am in need of forgiveness. I cannot save myself. Jesus, you are Lord, Son of God. Died on the cross in my place. I profess and put my faith in you. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. I profess you as Lord. And because you died for me, I will live for you. As every head continues to be bowed and every eye closed. As every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Brother Don, I want you to keep the camera up above the crowd.
this morning if there are some some issues that you're dealing with whether it's whether it's for strength for your mental health or, or healing and it doesn't have to be mental it could be physical it could be uh, it could it could be a, a physical thorn in the flesh not just a, a thorn in the, in the mind a thorn in the flesh if today if I could pray for you and I'm not going to I'm not going to ask you to come forward I'm just going to pray for you right where you're at and I'm going to stay right where I'm at But believe it or not, just that simple raise of the hand, it's, it's a surrender call to God. Remember them old movies and they say, stick up your hands. They'll lift up them hands and I give up, I surrender. Y'all in church, when we raise our hands, well, that's basically what we're saying. It's not just a praise, but it can also be a sign of surrender. I give up, God, you win. So this morning, if, if I could pray for you, for a mental health issue, a physical health issue, or maybe you just want to pray that God would be glorified in, in what you're going through. You just simply lift up your hand. It doesn't have to be very far. Just lift it up and just keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, just keep it up. Thank you. Hands all over the place. Almighty God, I pray for those whose hands are lifted right now. Father, I pray for them. If they're dealing with a, with a mental, uh, mental health issue, I pray for their strength. And Lord God, I know that you're willing. And I know that you can. Father, I pray for healing for those folks. But as the good shepherd, I know that at the end of the day, your word goes. So, Lord God, if you're not going to heal them, I pray that you'd be glorified in their illness. I pray that you'd be glorified in what they're going through. I pray you'd be exalted in their weakness. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would seek and find the opportunity to praise you in our storms. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind us to pray, to claim the promises. And to praise even when we don't feel like it. Father, I release this blessing of healing unto all who will receive it by faith. And in Jesus' precious name I pray. And amen. You were given a communion cup on your way in. I'll give you half an hour to unpack the top one. If you need more time, just lift up your hand. Nobody's noticing that noise. It's great. Y'all, the communion is, is done in practically, well, it's done in New Testament churches. It is a, it's a meal that reminds us of the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary. The bread reminds us of his body. In fact, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it and blessed it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup in the same way, blessed it and said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant. Uh, for you do this in remembrance of me so this whole thing is a story it's a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus this morning that bread reminds us of the body that Jesus hung on Calvary with and y'all as you take this bread today for those of you who had your hands raised I believe that I believe that there's healing in this meal I believe there's healing found in the blood and in the stripes of Jesus those stripes of Jesus were for me those nails in his hands were for me. The Bible says, by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. As you take that bread, I want you to think about what kind of healing you need in your life today. Is it emotional? 
Is it mental? Is it spiritual? Is it, phys is it physical? Is it relational? I want you to keep that thought in your mind and say, what healing do I need from God today? And I want you to pray for that healing before we take the bread. Think about the healing you need and ask for it right now. Almighty God, we pray blessing over the bread. Father God, my, my faith uh, intertwines with those today who are praying for healing. And Lord God, if you're not going to heal us, then I pray that you would be glorified in our infirmity. Because in our weakness, you're made strong. Thank you so much for your body. By your stripes, we are healed. Thank you for taking the pain and the punishment on our behalf, Lord God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. By his stripes, we're healed. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And praise God, there's still power in the blood. As we take that cup this morning, we're reminded of of the ultimate price that was paid for our, our spiritual healing for us to go to heaven by the perfect, blemishless, sinless blood of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blood that washes away our sin, that sets the record square, not because we're good, but because you're good. Thank you, Father God, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross in our place so his blood could be shed for us to have forgiveness of sin so we could be whole so we could be adopted into your family it's in Jesus' name we pray and we give you thanks and amen for as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again mm, next time in heaven God bless you so much thank you for being here uh, Tuesday night we start our online connect group the bait of satan if you've not signed up for that why haven't you uh number two it's not too late you can go to chesterfbc.org and you can register for that and you're thinking well maybe that's not for me it is for you y'all this is where you connect this is where you plug in this is where you get to know people in the church i love what Car uh, charla has said she said uh, i got to meet a new friend uh, y'all that's that's church we connect with one another that's where the members come together. And what they came together in a community group, serving the community. And that's awesome. Uh, this is one way to connect. Connect group is another way to connect. And pray and go is another way to do that with somebody else. Yo, that's all I have. I hope you all come Wednesday night. Wednesday night, oh, we start, it's our first in-person connect group. Uh, the menu is uh, ham and beans, wait, Pam, and grilled ham and cheese sandwiches. So if beans aren't your bang zone, we will also have the grilled uh, ham and cheese. So those meals are awesome. So Sharon and your crew, thank you so much for that. Y'all have anything else? Uh, brother, uh, yeah, sis? Picnic. Thank you, guys. Next Saturday night, we are going to have our worship service at 5 o'clock at Cole Park. That's the one out there by the old swimming pool. We will have a worship service at 5 o'clock. Then we will have... Brother Don, what's on the menu for next Saturday night? That sounds awesome. It really does. Um, so... Uh, traditional picnic fair then after that we're going to have uh, uh, James Kirkpatrick is going to do a kind of an introduction to uh, uh, frisbee golf if you would like to know how to play that, play that and throw it around a little bit if you'd like to play bags we're going to have a bags tournament uh, if you want to play on the children's equipment 
It'll be there too. Uh, so we, we hope you come. That's next Friday night, 5 o'clock, out at the park. And I've already put in a prayer request that it's under 90. So we'll see how that turns out, all right? But even if it's 106, God's still good and we're going to have a good time. Let's stand and we'll uh, be dismissed in prayer. Ms. Pam, you and I will go back to the back and we'll shake hands. Montana, you've done an incredible job for us this summer with your internship. We thank you so much. Give Montana a great big round of applause. She has been working her tail off. She has been meeting with our students on Thursday night and you went from two to six. Uh, anywhere else, y'all, that, that, that's a pretty good deal, you know. Uh, so we're so thankful for you. We're so glad to have you here. How many more weeks do you have? Oh, okay. Thank you so much. And we love you. You're one of us. We've seen you grow up, and God is going to do great things in your life, honey. Uh, would you at least word a closing prayer? Thank you.